0: Hi, everyone. This is Christiana Best, assistant professor at the University of St. Joseph, host and creator of the podcast Inside Out, Outside In. This podcast was developed for and by colleges and universities. The podcast is framed around the themes of diversity, inclusion, and equity. Our goal is to educate, inform, and build community, as well as inspire change. It is important to note That the views, information, and beliefs expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of any college or university or the Hartford Consortium of Higher Education. I'm here today with Raina White. Raina is the Director of Diversity at the University of St. Joseph. And we're continuing our conversation on racial hate crimes on college campuses. So hi, Raina. Hello. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself, specifically your professional background?
1: Okay, I have a bachelor's in sociology from Morgan State University. And then I attended Howard University School of Law. I possess a Juris Doctorate, or JD. I was admitted to the Connecticut State Bar. So that's a little bit about my educational background and licensing. I started off really doing a lot of work around um, disparities. So I worked for the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, and I was working with a federally funded program to increase the number of um, minority addiction counselors in the state of Connecticut. I also worked as a hearing officer for the city That may not seem like work with underrepresented groups, but the city of Hartford um, is really a city made up of a lot of low income, um, underrepresented groups. And a lot of times, when you're looking at parking tickets, housing code violations, things like that, you're still dealing with very similar issues around access and resources. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. From there, I went and worked for the Office of Policy and Management, a big believer in public service. Mm. <laughs> so I worked for the State of Connecticut's Office of Policy and Management, and, and that's what kind of led me into this. I managed the Violence Against Women Act, um, federal funding that came Sawa. down the pike. Right. Yep, managed VAWA. I started off with an institution as their Title IX coordinator. After that, and um, moved over to University of Saint Joseph, and I handle their diversity and inclusion programming as well as complaints as well as Title IX. Wow. Well,
0: thank you for being here with us today. As you know, today's topic is on uh, hate crimes on college campuses, or just discrimi- discrimination mm-hmm. in general. Um, so I would like to know what's in place um, at your university, at St. Joe's, mm-hmm. that um, contribute to either preventing or minimizing and, that in, to some extent, addressing discriminatory
1: incidents on campus? Okay. Um, well, as far as training and prevention goes, the institution this year... Um, instituted an online training program called EverFi, and it is for students as well as employees. It's an online training module. Mm -hmm. A lot of campuses are moving in that direction, and it's because it creates a nice solid base. Um, One, when you have live training, live programs, you can have all the sign-in sheets in the world. People will sign in for each other. You can't necessarily stick it with someone's record and have it follow them. With the online training, this is attached to that community member's email. So be you a student, be you faculty, adjunct, part-time, volunteer, if you've got an email affiliated with the institution, you've gotten that training. Right. So there are training modules for diversity, mm-hmm. um, discrimination, So we have your general diversity and discrimination. You have your workplace harassment and bullying, your general Title VII information, as well as then your Title IX, um, which is the sexual harassment, the gender-based harassment, the gender-based discrimination. Mm -hmm. So it really provides a nice in-depth training. The other thing that's nice about it is that because it's online and attached to someone's email, Mm -hmm. they can pick it up and put it down as often as they need to. We are talking again about a college campus and a college community. Students are busy. You Mm -hmm. might not have three hours in a row to get through something. Sometimes the material can be a lot to digest. Same with faculty. I mean, we are asking faculty to write, to research, to grade papers. Um, This allows them the opportunity to kind of pick when and where, be it from a cell phone, a tablet, or at their desk, Mm -hmm. to work their way through the material. Mm -hmm. We also have our policies attached to those modules. So we're now able to electronically track and look and see where we have people completing the um, modules where we don't. Um, So that's the baseline. Right. After that, you have a lot of on-campus programming. We do things that are planned. So every year we have an MLK celebration on campus that involves a speaker um, from the community. Every year, we've instituted a program called Day of Beauty. Um, It's in lieu of Valentine's Day, and again, Mm -hmm. it recognizes that there's usually one set image for what is attractive out there. (laughs) This is designed to break that up and really encourage our students to feel good about themselves. How does that prevent or minimize your discriminatory incidents on college campuses? Um, It's important that students, as well as our faculty and staff, really begin to see the value in themselves as well as understand what the just hardcore rules and policies are. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of these things are not up or open for debate. They very much mimic what federal requirements or state requirements we must have around discrimination um, or incidents in terms of our response or policies. The other is so that it's not all punitive. Um, If diversity education or programming looks like, hey, you better do this or you're a bad person. Hey, you better do this or you're in trouble. You're not going to have people who are really engaged in it and and have the opportunity to reflect and look back at themselves and go, oh, wow, you know what? I am doing that. Or, wow, that happened to me and I didn't know that I had rights around it. Well, you know, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, is the training mandatory? So, It can vary in terms of policy from campus to campus. Um, One of the things that I think is oftentimes difficult around discrimination for like ethnic diversity, racial diversity, um, is that there are no hard-set federal mandates for colleges to train. There are hard-set federal mandates to train when it comes to sexual violence or gender-based violence. Mm. Um, Even parenting and pregnancy. So what is typically the huge umbrella of Title IX, not just Title IX in terms of gender-based violence, but also gender-based discrimination. So that information is there, and you can see campuses very easily saying, listen, you must take these modules. This is what the federal law says, fall in line. Um, Around discrimination, it it can be um, difficult, especially if you're talking about private versus public institutions, where faculty may or may not be unionized, how well organized you have your faculty or staff in terms of being able to say, listen, this may not be a hard federal mandate, but mm-hmm. it best serves the institution in terms of what kind of environment we create, mm-hmm. how educated you all are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the mandated piece around diversity training and education has always been a hot topic. And, and that's not just in higher ed. That's industry across the board.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about Title IX and just kind of tell the audience what it's about, if you don't mind? So
1: for anyone out there who is in HR world or work world, you're not in college anymore, Title Seven are all of your workplace rights. Most people are very familiar with Title Seven. That's all your EEOC stuff. Colleges have um, an extra piece of legislation, and it's known as Title IX. Um, In fact, all education systems do, K through 12 as well. Mm -hmm. Title IX is a 1972 amendment to the Civil Rights Act. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) we passed our Civil Rights Act, right? We did a good job with it. 1964, 1962, you see higher education acts coming into place. You see a lot of protections coming in Mm -hmm. around um, gender based discrimination, race based discrimination, national origin discrimination. Um, one of the things where you didn't see the needle move a lot was in education, particularly higher education. Mm. Title IX is the 1972 amendment that comes in and recognizes that if someone is being discriminated against based on their gender, they don't have full access to education. Where that discrimination really starts to limit their ability to access their education, that is a civil rights violation. Over the years, it has evolved... um, not just protection for students, but recognizing that if I have a faculty member that's afraid to walk down the hallway because of how they're going to be treated or regarded, you are in essence limiting students' access to education. Mm -hmm. So it's really expanded and now it's expanded into sexual based violence or gender based violence.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. So we spoke earlier I spoke earlier with students and they talk about experiencing microaggression in the classroom mm-hmm. um particularly as it relates to racial microaggression mm-hmm. um some of them talk, talked about and mentioned having career advising making mm-hmm. comments that were um, micro or not so micro aggressions, um, and also experiencing it in the residential halls and even in field placement or internships. Um, So what initiates an investigation and what supports are in place um, to address these issues?
1: Okay. Um, I think one of the most important things to know that Most college campuses are able to support and accommodate students regardless of whether or not they file a formal complaint for investigation. Um, And that's really important because if we're talking about supporting a student, charging full force ahead and and, and kind of taking them through a process that they may not want um, can be just as re-traumatizing it still just shows a lack of concern for that individual and their experience and what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether or not someone says, hey, listen, I need a full investigation. I'm here to file a formal complaint. Mm -hmm. Students can still be accommodated. Um, You can still rearrange class schedules. You can still move forward around providing counseling and wellness services um, as well as other support measures so that a student feels comfortable um, in their learning environment and really feel supported.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, when we talk about what initiates an investigation, there are two ways in which you'll typically see um, campuses responding. One, you do very much have that direct knowledge. You have someone walking in and saying, this is what occurred, I'd like to file a complaint. Right. Um, and that initiates the investigation process in terms of taking statements, um, looking to see if there were witnesses, you also have um, what's kind of called a pattern of practice concern. If a campus um, is on notice, usually of multiple incidences, um, or you simply keep hearing possibly about an incident repeatedly. There's always the ability for the institution to seek out that individual and say, are you okay? Mm-hmm. You know, is everything all right? This is what right. I've heard. Right. Or to note, you know, no one's coming forward and filing formal complaints, but we keep hearing about this going on. Let's look into it and see what we can do. Um, especially if you're kind of hearing about it third-party. Mm-hmm. College campuses are small places, anybody who's not out there in higher ed world, um, you know, it, it can be like a middle school. The rumor mills run rampant. Um, it, it's important before you show up at somebody's door with the microphone and you know, your campus safety and say, poof, we're going to investigate you, right, right. that you always check back with the individuals. Right. You know, And you might find out that they're saying, please don't do this. Um, And and this is why. Yes, some people are concerned about retaliation. People are concerned about retaliation. Um, Sometimes people are not sure if what's happening to them is something that would rise to the level of an investigation. Mm -hmm. Um, It's part of why, again, USJ even instituted an online training. It, It wasn't, again, just to stop people, but also to educate folks so that they do know what their rights are and can go, oh, Mm -hmm. This may not be a big, big deal, but it's actually something that the institution can help me with Mm -hmm. or address. Right. Um, And it also provides um, reporting mechanisms. So you can file reports on most college campuses anonymously through a variety of venues. Um, We have an ethics report online. Um, We have what's called a tell somebody report Mm -hmm. if um, people are concerned about a student. Um, and and it can be submitted and saying, listen, this is what I've observed. We also have, um, you know, just other anonymous reporting um, outlets. Right. What it again allows us to do is make sure that people who might be harmed are being supported and are okay, but also to look and note where we might have a pattern or practice concern. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah, I've, I have um experienced not just in my time at u s j or in my time with other institutions but just across the board as somebody who um is a licensed attorney who has done a lot of work around um disparate treatment people who say, Listen, you're right, this is going on um I don't like it, but for whatever reason, if you can support me in this way, I don't really want to make a complaint about this mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And there are times where institutions, higher ed or otherwise, have absolutely said, listen, I'm sorry, but at this point, we have this responsibility. We're going to move forward with investigation. I see. Okay. And, and that may seem like, oh, that's a great thing. Good. Mm-hmm. You're, you're mm-hmm. going to understand how important it is to pursue this. But you have to remember that there's still someone there in the midst of that, <laughs> that we have to interview. Right. That we have to ask questions. Right. That we have to ask them to produce information, Mm -hmm. um, and someone on the other side of it as well. Mm -hmm. I think it is possible to help and accommodate and support someone regardless of whether or not you take investigative or punitive measures against an individual. Um, and then know that if you leave your door open enough Mm -hmm. and you've done that a few times over, sometimes you do have now good standing to say, Hey, hey you over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen. We as an institution have to address this with you. Right, right. Yeah. So you know, I was
0: thinking also as you were speaking, in mm-hmm. terms of the training, it can also plant seeds so that people who are ignorant of things they may be saying, mm-hmm. right, or doing, would hopefully learn that what they're doing is inappropriate, mm-hmm. insensitive, and maybe a, a microaggression. Right?
1: Absolutely. And that and that's again why you have the training you know and, and that is why you you know mm-hmm. you allow folks you know mm-hmm. a lot of time to go back to it you know not just the one and done look right. it over right. um and actually with everfi you can reassign a training module to someone mm. you can always look back and say hey you know what this unit this group this individual right you guys need this again right
0: how often do they have to take it
1: so this is our initial year um Title IX requires annual education um, for D&I, for diversity and inclusion. Um, I believe we're looking at also doing it annually, and this is why. College campuses are very transient places. People come and go. Everybody always gets stuck on a semester piece, um, but most colleges have programs that run off of the traditional spring-fall semester. Right our adjuncts our faculty Mm -hmm. um you know may come and go if you have something in place that again captures people via an email and then follows them throughout that they always have the ability to look and understand what our institution and our policies are
0: As you say that, I was just thinking of something one of the students mentioned. She said, um, you know, these hate crimes and racial incidents are occurring on college campuses, but they started in elementary school, you know, and these are the same kids that are in college today. Uh And so I found that to be really interesting. It it really was an eye-opener for me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering... If you think, or if, you know, you think it's a good idea for all educational institutions to kind of have a discriminatory campaign that looks at these issues and address this is- these issues when they occur. An example of that was a young lady who said she was in third grade and she, ha- she was African American, she's African American, mm-hmm. and she had a crush on a young white uh, third grader, mm-hmm. and he stood up in class and said, um, I don't like whoever, you know, her name. I don't like her because she's black. Yeah. And she was embarrassed, And um, she, but she said she had enough sense to say, that's not right. So she, she was able to say that, and the teacher acted appropriately. Now, I know that in most cases, you know, sometimes kids are so um, embarrassed by that, that they may not have the fortitude to even to be able up. to speak up. And there are adults who couldn't speak up exactly. in that situation, you
1: know. <laughs> um yeah, I do think it is. And 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 without looking um like like any institution or hybrid community is trying to punt, I do think it's interesting that I feel like sometimes we're expected to deal with this in this vacuum or silo without any onus or responsibility on the surrounding world. Right. Um, first of all, you're right. I'm getting someone who has been socialized for 18 years and lived in a privileged, you know, biased society. And that doesn't mean where they lived. I mean, if you are on this earth, pretty much in the western hemisphere, right. let alone attending college in America and you went K through 12 in right. the United States, no matter what your color is, racism is part of your makeup and experience, right? Um, and all of a sudden you're supposed to come to college. It's liberal land and shed that because of what a few programs because of an hour long instruction video. If I took everybody who's right-handed, tied their right hand behind their back for an hour and put them, let's say a day long program, would they suddenly be writing in cursive with their left? Mm-mm. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. Why are we asked to take right-handed people and make them left-handed? Right. Um, at the same time, I do think we have a duty to say, hey, listen, you're about to go out into work world, okay? And work world has a lot of laws and regulations too around this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are you really willing to go into this much debt And then possibly ruin your career very early on simply for the ability to say, do, laugh, express yourself in this way. And again, remember, if it is that important, what are you really saying about yourself? Mm -hmm. I think one of the advantages about being in higher ed, like I said, we're kind of tasked with this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but is also remembering we're asking them to unlearn a lot of other things anyway. Um, I think it's as important as we socialize students to learn to take care of themselves, right? Learn to wake up and get to class on time. You see that a lot with freshmen. Oh, I'm so, my parents are used to waking me up. Okay. Well, the same way you're used to being woken up the same way you're used to laughing at these things the same way you're maybe used to being able to say this in passing that doesn't work anymore, but it would be nice if as a society, the same way the outside world backs us up on college campuses when we tell those freshmen, no one's going to come in your dorm and wake you up. We need the rest of society to back us up and say, look, you don't live in your little town of or your world of or your privilege bubble of. You now want to be part of a greater society. It is time to change. Let that go. All right, All right. Yeah. It's one of the ways in which I do try to engage in... Um, cultural competency or diversity education. Um, Not everyone's going to necessarily look at the moral aspect of it. Mm -hmm. You need to look at the economic impact that this can have. Mm -hmm. Um, And remember that, especially in a small state like Connecticut here, your colleagues are your classmates. People that you went to school with, the people you grew up with, the people you enjoyed at Eastern and Southern and Central and St. Joe's and U-Hard and post we're all going to see each other again. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. You know, and and just to build on what you just said, Mm -hmm. oftentimes when a racial incident occurs on campus, the administration Mm -hmm. uh, appear to be silent Mm -hmm. to the students. Can you tell me why that is?
1: It can be really difficult um, because there are two rules in place here. FERPA which is a college student's record, their educational record, as well as then employee rights in Connecticut. I can't speak for other states, but in Connecticut, an employee record is private. It is not appropriate if you have sanctioned discipline, even if you are actively investigating an employee, to come out and say, hey, hey, listen, I'm investigating so-and-so down the hallway. You know, Have you seen him? Because I'm trying to give him this notice. Mm-hmm. Um, most people immediately understand why an employee's record is private and any action taken against that employee is not to be shared. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the same thing with students. But yet when it comes to these particular incidences, folks um, sometimes seem to forget that and say, well, no, 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 we need to know what happened. It's not that an institution is, um, is trying to cover things up. But I think it's important to remember that you could have an incident on campus that violates policy absolutely puts the individual who acted poorly up for some type of adverse response, some type of punitive measure in place. And then all of that can go away. And you can turn around paying that person a settlement check because you talked about it. Further, it is an investigation. It's important when you're investigating to make sure that you're getting all of the information and witnesses and information that you can get. But again, college campuses are very small communities. It's also important that that information not be cooked. You know, um, nothing more interesting than you go and initiate an investigation and everybody's story is the same. I mean, the exact same. Whether or not they were there, it's the same. Whether or not one person was standing to the right and the other person was across the room, they've both got the same story. How could that be? hmm Mm -hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, it kind of goes back to the old saying of loose lips sink ships. Right. It's not necessarily so that an institution can hide or be devious or skirt responsibility. It can sometimes take a really long time to properly execute an investigation. We are not state actors. In other words, we're not the police. We're not courts. We're limited in our ability, for example, to demand information. We don't have the ability to subpoena people. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, if you're talking about people who aren't always cooperative through that investigation, um, you have to move carefully in how you go about getting the information and then looking at everything. And that also
0: um, has something to do with whether or not you can make a public statement uh, to the students or in general to the public?
1: It can yeah. because you can disclose parts of the student's record or an employee's record. So students mm-hmm. also have a right to their record, um, and there's certain information in there that, that can not um, be publicized. Um, and typically it's very similar to employee conduct. Um, with student conduct, it's, it's not something that you would see being shared with the general public, um, let alone their classmates. Again, um, it can oftentimes come off as being reserved or secretive or even callous.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but what's important, I think, is that one, when, when you're going through something, you do try to offer support measures for the campus community as a whole. Right. But that if you're dealing with an individual, whether they are out there being public about it or keeping it very closed,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that your resources um, and accommodations are with that individual. You're working with your person who's responding. They get resources and accommodations. You're working with your person who filed the complaint. They get resources and accommodations. Right. Um, And that's not public fodder.
0: Right, yeah. I think, though, the students would like I guess, to see a little more support, to experience a little more support when this happens. I Isn't guess that, they're from their perspective, me. they're saying they're not feeling the support from the institution. So um, I guess if anyone listening, they can, you know, they would definitely understand um, the delicate way schools have to sort of navigate those particular waters pretty much. Um, but at the same time, how they can the, how they can support that person who experienced the microaggression or the racial incident.
1: Um, I do think that's important, and mm-hmm. I think you, when you're moving through your process, you know, schools are oftentimes yeah, they're trying to say, okay, what are our legal requirements? Mm-hmm. And again, like
0: all institutions,
1: right? And again, we don't have subpoena power. How are we going to get these people to talk mm-hmm. to us and, and, and tell mm-hmm. us what happened? And, right. But um, yeah. but yes, you always have to go back and say, okay this is what's in place for you and it's available to you.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, And that's why you saw me focus very much so on not the investigation as much as where is this person? Are they okay? What do they want? Right. And how can we move them through this right. in a manner that doesn't re-traumatize them? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think also what's important with this is that when the incident occurs, even if it's directed at one person, that whole community experiences it right Mm -hmm. Um, and that almost the whole community experienced
1: sort of like a trauma um, which is hard (laughs) institutions have definitely had to educate themselves and kind of come around to that understanding in realizing that um, you know that you're talking about groups who oftentimes have succeeded and even gotten their students to these campuses by a strong united front Mm -hmm. um, so that community support doesn't go away Mm -hmm. Um, and if you have students who are all raised up in that similar fashion and then come together on a college campus they're going to be Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: close-knit
1: so I do think it's yeah again it's about making sure that people know yes this is for an individual but there are always campus resources available
0: yeah yeah and I think just marginalized communities on a whole uh, experience Mm -hmm. uh, the trauma as a community Yeah, not just an incident.